Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand as our campuses join with us in Appleton and Stevens Point this morning. And let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us here this morning. And greetings again to our campuses in Stevens Point and Appleton. Um, it is the uh, season of Advent, and we're doing our Advent conspiracy fundraisers throughout the uh, season of Advent. Uh, we are uh, announcing an, another fundraiser that we're doing for our missions program. This is a uh, ice fishing, what's the word? A guided ice fishing tour that we're doing uh, on the uh, 20th and 21st of February. 20 people each day. Uh, so any guys that want to sign up for, or gals that want to come with us and do ice fishing. We have people who watch us all over the world actually this morning already from Russia and uh, from uh, Romania and all over the States. It's amazing. The thousands of people, about, uh, about 10,000 people on average watch all over the world every week. That's not counting even people who watch us in North Central and uh, Central Wisconsin. But uh, so a lot of people watch it. Now, the people not from Wisconsin, whenever I talk about ice fishing, they just stare at me like, what? You, you, you fish for ice? No, we're not fishing for ice. We're fishing for fish that are under the ice. And what we do is we go out and they put up little shanties, little, you know, <laughs> looks like a bunch of... I don't know what you, <laughs> anyway, what? Look behind me. That's what they are, they're shacks. Thank you, the redhead pointing it out to me. So, so that's, that's what we do, and we go out there and they say, how, can you, how do you not fall into the, into the water? Because people don't understand, in Wisconsin, you can drive on the ice. Big trucks, semi-trucks can drive on the ice, and they just stare at me when I tell them that. We're talking people in the, even in the States and the South, they go, what? Because their version of ice is about that thick, okay? Our version of ice is like that thick. It's like massive concrete from here to eternity. And so we go out there, and we drive out there, and we dig holes into, well, I don't do anything, hence a tour like this. So uh, <laughs> that's my version of doing something. Just hand me the pole when we're done. So uh, we're going to go out there, and it's really warm. They're very warm and, uh, you know, very comfortable and just hanging out all day uh, catching these fish. So uh, it should be somewhere around uh, Sturgeon Bay. We'll know when we get closer to it because they kind of follow where the fish go, which is the point. All right. So anyway, if you'd like to do it, uh, sign up. Uh, so you guys, obviously, in Point or Apathy, you want to come over. You certainly can, a longer drive, but that's okay. Some guys, you want to do it. Some of y'all are hardcore. Uh, so anyway, it's a big ice fishing thing. It's $100 a guy. 100% of it will go to this uh, outreach. 
So uh, it'll be a lot of fun spending the whole day out doing ice fishing. Very cool. All right. It's snowing. Praise the Lord. At least here in Green Bay. I don't know if you're still snowing over at Appleton or Stevens Point, but uh, I'm excited about it. And all the snowmobilers said, amen. Praise God. All right. Get my sleds out. So we're thrilled about it. Nothing worse than being cold and no snow. To me, that's the worst. It's just like death warmed over. Just like, ah. But if it's going to be cold, you ought to have snow. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Trying to encourage the crowd here. <laughs> Seriously, come on. It's going to get cold. That we get no matter what. The snow is always kind of, you know, 50-50. It's hard to tell. People always say we get lots of snow in Green Bay. That is, however, not the case. Hopefully this year we'll have a lot. All right, this... Uh, Sundays, our third week in Advent. By the way, if uh, you're watching us on television this morning, glad to have you with us. Uh, we're, we appreciate you watching uh, every Sunday, but let me encourage you, go to church. Get off your butt. Go to church. Watching a preacher on TV doesn't count for church. It doesn't count, all right? You got to actually go to church. Uh, if you're in the Stevens Point area, Appleton area, Green Bay area, you can come to uh, one of our campuses. Uh, you still have time yet this morning because of the time delay that you actually watch this. Uh, so you can go get out of your jammies, get some clothes on, come to church. All right? And uh, it'll be beneficial for you. <laughs> okay. If you don't know where we're at, go to our website, celebrationchurch.tv. Celebrationchurch.tv, and you'll be able to see where our campuses are. Come on. You slackers, go to church. All right. Now, having said all that, looking at uh, today's message, today's message is entitled, Doing the Right Thing Isn't Always Easy, especially if you're sitting in your jammies watching this show. All right? Get dressed for heaven's sakes. Doing the right thing isn't always easy. Um, uh, Luke, the first chapter, we read the account of uh, the angel that comes to Mary. And announces, this is Gabriel, comes to Mary. Now this has to be, wow, how cool is this, right? Uh, but every time in the Bible, I think virtually every time, an angel appears, the first thing the angel has to say is, don't freak out, okay? Everybody says, ooh, I'd love to see angels. Apparently not, okay? <laughs> Apparently it's a little disconcerting. Ah! And it just freaks people out. So this guy, you know, all of a sudden, I mean, just... <laughs> You know, you ever see somebody in a room that you didn't think they were there? And just, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Much less if he's glowing. Oh, that would be really freaky. So, looks up, sees this angel, freaks. The angel says, don't be afraid. <laughs> Easy for him to say. But he says, Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and we call the son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will have no end. Now, you've got to think that an angel shows up and announces this. Gabriel, I mean, this, your life is about to be really, really good. Wouldn't you think? Everything's going to be great. An angel shows up. Ah, this is going to be awesome. But from that moment on, her life just sucked because everything goes south which is the point of today's message, doing the right thing isn't always easy. Now, the first thing she has to do is explain this unexplained pregnancy. And you just stop and think if your teenager came up to you and said she was pregnant, and you'd freak. And she said, but the angel told me. You wouldn't believe her either, right? 
and they didn't believe her. Uh, she's uh, already engaged to be married to Joseph. Joseph is freaking out. He doesn't want any part of this. He wants to bail. The Bible says he has to have a dream, and an angel appears to him in the dream and says, hey, just relax. This is God doing all this. So he gets brought up to speed. He takes Mary as his wife. Okay, so they finally get married, and at least covers the immediate problem of an unmarried woman who's pregnant. But then we have this problem. Some stupid politician, somebody say amen. In Luke, the second chapter, some stupid politician by the name of Caesar Augustus issues a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Now, this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. Now, it says when they went to their own town, it wasn't the town that they lived in. They had to go back to the town that their family came from, which in a country like America would be really problematic. I'd have to go to Puerto Rico. I don't know, this time of year might be pretty nice. <laughs> but just, I mean, you have to go back to Germany and Spain and everywhere. I mean, this is, so these people had to go back to wherever their ancestral uh, line came from. Uh, so Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee, it's northern uh, on the map here, and he's got to go down to Judea, to Bethlehem, to the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David, and that's where David came from, from Bethlehem. So it's a hundred mile trek. Now they don't have cars and buses and trucks and trains and automobiles and all that. They pretty much got to walk. Although they show, you know, in the story of Mary's on a, a donkey, which maybe, I don't know. I'm not sure which would be more uncomfortable at nine, eight, nine months of pregnancy. Walking or riding a donkey. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, it's all we know. It's a hundred miles. This bites, all right? It's a long trip because they got to take the stupid trip. So they get to, of course, you guys know the rest of the story. They get to Bethlehem. She's ready to pop. She goes to the neighbor. There's no place to stay. No place to stay? Whatever happened to the angel? The Lord is with you. It's like, where is the Lord? I'm going to kill that angel if I see that angel again. So the Lord is with Now she winds up in a barn with all the wonderful trappings of barn life. All right. And she gives birth there. This has got to be so frustrating. But doing the right thing isn't always easy. Throughout the Bible, we see people who God calls them to do the right thing, but it's hard. One of the main reasons people don't want to do the right thing is because it's hard. It's inconvenient. It might be embarrassing. Sometimes it's so much easier just to fudge it. Just kind of not to do the right thing. And we'll figure out the right thing later. People do this all the time, but then they wonder why their life isn't blessed. Why they don't succeed. Why things don't turn around. Why isn't God helping them succeed in life? Because you keep doing the wrong thing. We need to do the right thing. But it's hard. Yes, sometimes doing the right thing is hard. But it's still the right thing. And in the end, your life will always be better. Throughout the Bible, we see this. Joseph, we think of in the Old Testament. He's a guy who... Uh, felt called by God to be a great leader. He shared this with his brothers who didn't like it because, you know, they didn't like Joseph in the first place because he was daddy's favorite. Oh, he's, a, he's the cute little guy and, and daddy liked him better than everybody else. And they didn't like him. And then he comes along and says, hey, God told me I'm going to be this great leader. They get really ticked and they want to kill him. And, uh, but they decide instead of killing him, we'll sell him off into slavery. So they sell him off into slavery. He winds up in Egypt, and now he's got to be in Egypt. He's working for a guy named Potiphar. And uh, the Bible says that Joseph was quite the cute little boy. 
He was, oh, I don't know, he was a little boy. He was a good-looking guy. He was like three or something. All right, so he's, he's a young guy. He looks really good. And Potiphar's wife goes, ooh, I want me some of that. Okay? So she starts hitting on him. And he says, lady, leave me alone. You can't do this. I'm, I'm working for the man. He's here. And she kept hitting on him and hitting on him. And so he's running, trying to get away from this crazy lady who's got the hots. All right? So she gets really mad because he keeps running away. So she accuses him of attacking her. Then the master of the house hears this. He gets mad. And they have Joseph arrested. He did the right thing. His reward getting thrown into prison. Now, this is not Brown County lockup, okay? This is a nice place. This is thousands of years ago. This is about 5,000 years ago, and you can imagine the horrible, horrible place that being in a prison in Egypt 5,000 years ago was like. His life is awful. It's so bad. I'm sure there were days where he had to think, what in the world? I've been doing everything right, and every time I take the decision to do something right, my life gets worse. But God uses all of this to turn the situation around because God uses Joseph to save millions of people's lives uh, as he, in a day, in a day, he, they call him up from the prison that morning. God gives him favor with the king, and by the end of that day, he is now the second most powerful man in the world. You don't think your life can change? I'm telling you, God can turn your situation around in one day. And that's exactly what happened to Joseph because he did the right thing. And his brothers come and uh, of course then he reveals himself to his brothers and sure enough the prophecy is true. He's now a great leader. His brothers are looking up to him. Uh, Joseph says this to his brothers. He says, you know, you guys intended to harm me but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Doing the right thing isn't always easy, but it's always the right thing to do. Moses had difficulty his whole life, actually. <laughs> it's a series of miserable circumstances. But finally, he has this great triumph, and God uses him to set the Israelites free. These people have been in slavery for 400 years crying out to God for deliverance. They finally come, they're in the world, they just get out of Egypt, and they're barely there before they start whining and complaining about everything. I don't like the way this is. I don't like the way that is. I wish we were back in Egypt. It's a longing for Egypt. Oh, it was so nice. You were slaves back there. Yeah, but they had really good cucumbers. That's just one of the things, if you read it, they were longing for the cucumbers of Egypt. Seriously. And Moses just was so frustrated with these people. And God got really frustrated with these people. And they were supposed to go into the promised land. It's like a 10-day walk, if that, from Israel. Well, they're on the wilderness for 40 years. 40 years just going in circles around the mountain. Let's go one more time. Let's go one more time. Why? Because they were so stinking stubborn. And God just waited until they died off, that whole generation. You think you're going to fight God in your life? Lots of luck with that. <laughs> he can wait you out. <laughs> and he just, and, and Moses, but Moses, he was so frustrated. And he finally says, oh God, just kill me. He was so frustrated with all the whining. We read this in, in the book of Numbers. He cries out to God, God, if this is how you're going to treat me. Talking about these whiners. 
please go ahead and kill me. That was a bad day, all right? When your version of turning around the end of your days, I wish I was dead, that's a bad day. So he says, if I found favor in your eyes, if you like me, if you really like me, kill me! Because he was so ticked off at these irritating people. But he did the right thing. And oftentimes doing the right thing isn't the easy thing. Uh, the story of Job in the Bible, now it's spelled J-O-B, so to us it looks like job. I can always tell people who are new in church, because I was reading this job thing. And it's, it's not job, it's Job. It's how you say it. And so the book of Job is like 42 chapters. Two chapters are really interesting. The other 40 is like pouring sand in your eyes. All right. Which I'll explain in a minute. So what happens in the beginning, Job is this highly successful man. God has blessed him. And the devil comes before God and says, you know, he really loves you. But he only loves you because you bless him. If you let me loose, I'll knock the snot out of him. He'll curse you to your face. God said, no, he won't. He said, yes, he will. And God says, okay. So the devil goes off on Job and starts making his life a living hell. Everything bad happens. He loses everything. All his property is destroyed. His daughters are all killed. His sons are all killed. All his livestock, which is his wealth, his way of making a living, all destroyed. Everything destroyed. By the way, if something really bad happens, it's, it's just interesting. Y'all, especially y'all on TV watching me. You know, so many people, something bad happened. Well, why'd God let that happen? God didn't do it. It was the devil that did it. Jesus says, Satan has come to rob, kill, and destroy. I've come that you might have life. If you find something that's in the life category, that's a gift from God. You find something that's in the awful category, that is the devil. What is amazing, how many people see somebody die or some kill, or some oral, or something that happens, and say, well, why, why is God doing it? It's not God, you Nimrod. It's the devil. So anyway, the devil comes, kills his children, destroys his property, destroys all his uh, uh, everything. And then he gets really sick and he's got boils all over. And he's just sitting there in pain. He's just sitting there in pain. Life is awful. And the Bible says in Job, the second chapter, and his wife said to him, which I find hilarious, the devil takes everything but leaves the wife. <laughs> he knew how to get to Job, man. Just, oh, come on, take her. Because she's not a picnic, this chick. Great encourager. His wife says to him, you still maintaining your, your integrity? Why don't you curse God and die? <laughs> well, hello to you too, you know what I mean? Good grief. When your wife says, I would just kick over and die, that's a bad day. So anyway... No matter what happens, even with misencouragement, he continues to praise God and thank God. Wow. And then for 40 chapters, he gets in a debate with his friends who are trying to tell him, you must have done something wrong. And I didn't do anything wrong. And anyway, it's really brutal reading. If you're having a hard time sleeping tonight, Job. <laughs> anyway, you get to the end. I just rushed to the end because that's the best part. Because they're just talking. It's talking in ways it's hard to even read what they're saying. But finally, in the end, after going through that horrible test and staying true to God, 
God blesses him again. And in chapter 42 at the end, verse 12, it says, the Lord blessed the later part of, latter part of Job's life more than the former part. He had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 donkeys. He also had seven more sons and three daughters. God greatly blessed him, but oftentimes doing the right thing is not the easy thing. We were talking about the life of David a couple of months ago, a few weeks ago, whatever it was, and uh, actually this morning someone came up to me and said, man, I, I so loved your sermon from last week. I said, thanks. What was it? And he said, the sermon about remembering. Oh, thank you. You know, I was, <laughs> that's a little embarrassing. <laughs> so anyway, what am I talking about? Oh, so uh, a few weeks ago, whatever it was, we we're talking about David. And David, he comes, he kills Goliath. He wins the favor of Saul, the king, and he's serving Saul faithfully. Every time there's a battle that needs to be fought, David goes out, he fights the Philistines that are attacking the people all the time. And uh, he has huge successes. Actually, one of the most entertaining parts of the Bible, especially you guys like to read, you know, wars and conflicts. Read David. It's highly entertained. This guy was a serious butt-kicking, killing machine. I mean, remember, they didn't have guns and, and stuff. I mean, it was mano e mano. And these guys, and then he had his, his men that he, he, he worked with. So he had, it was David and his mighty men, they called it. And these guys would take on sometimes a thousand to one odds, and they would prevail. These guys were amazing. I, you know, I wish they would do a real good movie on the life of David. Because it would be great, right? But no, they get these wussy guys like Richard Gere was the last one, right? When it, you know, you know, and it's, that's David, that's not, that's a girly man, okay? We need David, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger as David or something like that. I will kill you all. Anyway, it's, it's a great reading, seriously. It's amazing. But, but he's doing all these great things, and the king is, you think life is good because he's got this great warrior and everything's going And Saul gets jealous of him, and he tries to kill him. And now David is running for his life. His life stinks. He's hiding. He's running. Oftentimes when you read in the Psalms that David wrote, and he's crying out to God. It's during that time when Saul is trying to kill him. And he praises God in spite of his horrible circumstances because doing the right thing isn't always easy, but it's always the right thing. Eventually, of course, the situation turns around and David becomes the great king of Israel. And he eventually is part of the line that the Messiah comes through. Remember, Joseph went back to Bethlehem, we're back to the beginning of our story here, where we started, because he went to the line, the city of David. David was, it was through the line of David that the Messiah came. And look at that story of Joseph and Mary. When it seemed like God was a million miles away, everything is really hard and everything's bad and they're stuck in a barn. And when it felt, I'm sure at times, like God was a million miles away, it would have not been physically possible for him to be any closer. Because they hold now in their arms, the very Christ child. Doing the right thing isn't always easy, but it's still always the right thing to do. Why should you do the right thing? Because in the end, doing the right thing will always bring you life and peace. Paul wrote to the Galatians uh, New Testament church, and he says, 
let us not become weary in doing good. Why? Because it's easy to become weary of doing good. It's like you're doing the right thing, but still it seems like the blessings haven't quite come yet, haven't quite come yet. Paul says, hang in there. He says, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. The temptation is to give up. Doing the right thing oftentimes is hard, but it's still always the right thing to do. And don't interpret the fact that you are doing, the, that things are hard because you're doing the right thing, that somehow you've missed it. People often, we're all, we're humans. I mean, everybody's like this, right? They start out doing the right thing and it's difficult and they think, well, maybe I shouldn't do it and I want to give up. But if you always give up when you start out, you'll never get anywhere. All you'll do is spend your whole life giving up on stuff. Hang in there. Trust God. Do the right thing. Don't just keep making excuses for doing the wrong thing. I know it's easier for people to do the wrong thing. Do things you know you shouldn't be doing. And we all have our excuses. I always encounter people. They're doing things they shouldn't be doing. And they all got their things they shouldn't be doing. And they cough it up to me. And I tell them, you know you shouldn't do. I know I shouldn't, but, 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 but. But, 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 but. They all have their but, 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 buts that they kick out. But they're just fooling themselves. But pastor, if we do the right thing, it'll be really hard. Because then this will change. And then that's going to be hard. And it's going to cost me more money. Look. Doing the right thing isn't always the easy thing to do. But it's still always the right thing to do. Why? Because if you do the right thing, God's blessings will come. And you will succeed. Doing the wrong thing always brings death. You think that, you know, it's an easier path and I'll kind of take a shortcut. But I got news for you. There's no shortcuts in this thing. You know, don't get discouraged because you're doing the right thing. Man, people all the time. I so many, of course, me dealing with couples, it's amazing how many people, first, second, third year in a marriage, you know, they're convinced they made a mistake. Because it's hard. Well, it's hard. It's hard. It's really, really, really. We tried to warn you ahead of time, but you didn't listen to us, you know. It's hard, but just because you do something, because it's hard to me, it's the wrong thing to do. You know, if you do the right thing, you will be blessed. I'm always shocked, though, by people who, like, a few months into the deal are miserable. That always amazes me. You just got married. A few, I mean, the people tell me, you know, one year, and, and they say, Pastor, we're just in hell. And six months, Pastor, we're just in hell. Three months, Pastor, we're just in hell. One lady talking to me, two weeks, two weeks. We're just in hell. I think, seriously, it should take you years to get to hell. How are you getting to hell so fast? Obviously, they start doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Who knows? People get selfish and they don't want to yield. And they think because things are hard, it's, I'm just going to give up. No, 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 no. That's not the way this works. Giving up isn't your answer. Because you keep taking the easy way, keep doing the wrong thing, you'll never experience true life. But if you'll do the right thing, the blessings come. God always will turn things around and give you great success. And your end will be much better than anything hard that you've ever been going through. In fact, the Bible tells us, uh, there's a great analogy in Isaiah, whatever, just popped in my mind, so I can't remember it. I wasn't prepared for it. <laughs> but it just popped into my head. It says, your troubles will be, you'll have to actually look back to try and remember your troubles. Things will get so good that you have to, oh yeah, yeah, I guess we did. I guess that was really hard back then. Many of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Your life has so been blessed that you actually have to stop and remember the times when it was so hard. That's the beauty of it, right? Is that our blessings will be so great, you'll actually have to work at trying to remember what it was like when it was so bad. This is the promise. Don't get discouraged when it's hard doing the right thing because the right thing's always 
the right thing to do. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and for your truth. I pray for people listening to me right now, many of them struggling in their life. A lot of them are just avoiding doing the right thing because they know it's hard. But God, help them open their eyes. Help them to understand the right thing is the right thing. We see it in your word, the truth, following you, honoring you, putting their trust in you will always result in great blessings. Fighting you will just always make things worse and extend the streak of awfulness in their lives. Help us, Lord, to surrender. Help us to realize that even as some of these people that we read about this morning, thinking about Mary and Joseph at this Christmas time, what difficulties they had early on, great blessings eventually come. If we'll be faithful, as Paul says, if we don't, give up. Encourage anyone who might be discouraged this morning. Help those that are avoiding to do the right thing to have the boldness and the strength to start doing the right thing. Help us to live the kind of lives that will bring such a blessing. People around us will say, wow, how do you do that? How can I be like that? And it'll give us the opportunity to share your good news with others. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Have a great rest of the day. Bye-bye.